You're listening to Pastor Ryan Couch as he teaches through the book of Colossians. If you have your Bibles with you, let's join Pastor Ryan now. This morning we'll be in the book of Colossians. We're going to uh, finish chapter 1 this morning. Why don't we pray? Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts as we open your word once again. God, we don't want to just come here uh, out of habit, Lord. We don't want to just sit down and, and hear another Bible study. God, we want to hear you, you speaking to our hearts. God, we, we expect you to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going through the book of Colossians, and uh, we've just about made it through chapter 1, and, and really the theme of this book and the theme of our study has been the preeminence of Christ, that Jesus wants to be preeminent, and that just is a big word that means He wants to be the very center, the very focus of our life, and that's what we've been talking about and what we've been looking at, and, and this comes as a result of what Jesus has done for us. See, Jesus doesn't just say, hey, I want to be the boss. I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. I want to micromanage your life because that's just what I want to do. No, he, he does that because, and he's able to ask that of us because of the amazing work of love that he's done in our hearts. See, it's not just that, that He's in control, it's not that He's powerful, it's not that He's our Creator. I mean, all of those things are true as well. But Jesus says, I want to be preeminent in your life because I love you and because I have your best in mind. See, it kind of changes everything. When people try to assert control over us just because of the position they have, when, when people try to... Uh, rule and run your life, we kind of rebel against that, don't we? We don't like that a whole lot. But when someone loves us, when we know that someone cares about us, when we know that someone has our best interests in mind, it's like, wow, I, I, I want to allow you to, to guide me and to lead me. And that's what Jesus wants. You remember Jesus described himself as a shepherd, a loving shepherd, not as a tyrant, not as a dictator, but as a shepherd. And that, that's the picture that you should have in mind as you think of Jesus being preeminent, being in control of your life, not as some harsh taskmaster, not as some grumpy old boss, but as a loving shepherd who's leading and guiding you into green pastures and into still waters. And it's because of this amazing work of love that Jesus has done in our hearts that he says, okay, I want to be preeminent in your life. I want to be the very center and the very focus of your life. I want to be the source from which all else flows. And if you think about your life, is Jesus the very source from which all else flows from your life? And as we make him preeminent, as we make him the center of our life, it's a, it's a, a real beautiful expression of, of our love for him. And a real beautiful evidence of this preeminence is service. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's real easy to say, yeah, Jesus is number one. How many times have we heard that? How many times have maybe you said that and it's not true? How many times do we lift our hands to the Lord, which basically means that, you know, I'm surrendered to Him, right? How many times do we sing, I surrender all, or some song like that? How many times do we say to the Lord, 
Jesus, you're my everything. And yet, in reality, that's not how it's working itself out in our life. He isn't everything. He isn't preeminent. He isn't the source from which all else flows. And a beautiful evidence of this, a a, a way that we can tangibly demonstrate that he is preeminent in our life is, is serving, is ministry. And that's what Paul talks about in our text here, our passage, verse 24 through 29 in Colossians chapter 1. Serving others as Jesus did. You remember what Jesus said in Mark 10, 45? Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. That's not real common today. That's not real common from people that want to be preeminent over you, is it? To serve you, to love you. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus says, I want to be preeminent in your life, but I'm going to do that in a humble fashion. I want to serve you. And in turn, as my children, as people that are making me the center of your life, that will be demonstrated in you serving other people, in you giving your life for others, serving others as Jesus did. And so the first thing that we notice here in our text is found in verse 24, and it's the sacrifice of service. The second thing that we'll notice is the goal of service. And then lastly, in verse 29, we'll see the key to service. And so the sacrifice of service And you guys need to understand that. That Jesus is asking you to serve. That he's asking you to make him preeminent. And that will be demonstrated in your service to other people. But it is a sacrifice. It it isn't all peaches and cream. That serving Jesus is difficult. And if it wasn't difficult, everybody would do it, right? Look at verse 24 and look what Paul says. I now rejoice. I want you guys to... To notice that word rejoice. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Now that's not real common to hear. I rejoice in my suffering. Normally we would say, I I run from my suffering or I hate this suffering. But Paul says, I rejoice in it. And there's a few reasons for that. Number one is it's because he's suffering for Jesus. He's suffering for the sake of Christ. The second thing is he's suffering for the church. To further the gospel so that people can come to Christ. But I think we need to understand something about this verse. And that is what it doesn't mean. This verse doesn't mean that somehow Paul was completing the atonement. That somehow Paul was finishing the work of Christ. And in English it kind of reads that way. It kind of reads funny. That I rejoice in my sufferings and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. And we can't see this as somehow Paul fulfilling the work of Christ. What it is is that Paul is carrying forth the ministry of Christ. And what was the ministry of Christ? Well... The ministry of Christ was suffering for the sake of others. And Paul is saying, look, I am carrying that forward. And and in reality, I'm giving that to you. As people that want to make Jesus preeminent and truly want to die to self and and love others and, and do ministry the proper way, this is how it will happen. 
by dying to yourself and by suffering possibly and rejoicing in that suffering by carrying on the ministry of Christ. That's what this verse means. And the word afflictions here, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the, the pain and the anguish and the torture that Jesus went through on the cross for our sin. It's not speaking of, of His work on the cross. This word afflictions here means pressures and trials and difficulties. And certainly, that is a part of ministry. And that's why so often people don't do ministry. It's why we quit ministry. And you guys, when I say ministry, I want you to understand something. That we're not talking about this. That we're not talking about missions necessarily. That we're not talking about only the big stuff. Certainly that's part of it. But so is cleaning the church. So is going to the nursing homes and visiting the elderly. So is sweeping the sidewalk and teaching Sunday school. And all of the things that it takes to, to run the church, all of the ministries that flow forth from the church, loving people, ministering to people one-on-one, doing things behind the scenes that nobody will ever see, that's all ministry. And it's difficult, and there's suffering, and there's trials involved with that, because you step out to serve people, right? And if you've done any ministry at all, you'll, you'll notice that the people that you help the most will oftentimes be the people that hurt you the most. The people that you just give your heart to. You just, I mean, you can feel your heart and you're handing it to them. And I mean, it's just beating in your hand and you hand them over. You hand it over to them and they just take it and they squash it and they step on it. And they talk badly about you and they say how horrible you are. And, and they say how you didn't do enough for them. And you're thinking, my gosh, I gave, I gave everything. I, I set my life aside for that person. Maybe you can relate to that with your children as they were going through those rebellious years possibly and, and you gave your whole life for your kids and, and, and yet you just felt like they took your heart and squashed it. And, and that's what happens in ministry too. It's much like that. As you give yourself to people and, and people will hurt you. And the tendency is to say, you know what, I don't need that. I don't want that and I'm not going to be a part of that. And they, they quit, they step out, they run for fear. Or people will continue in ministry, but they're not vulnerable. And so there's this wall that is built up where people put up a wall so that they aren't able to be hurt at all. And both of those things are wrong. We have to make ourselves vulnerable if we want to give people Jesus. If we truly want to serve people, there will be suffering as a part of that. And so as you think about making Jesus preeminent in your life, as you think about making Him the very center of your life, the thing that He's going to ask you to do is to serve. And as you think about serving, you need to understand that it won't be easy. That you'll be hurt at times. That people will say things to you that will hurt you. And you'll think, where did that come from? Why, why did they say that? What did they mean by that? And if you're someone like me that, that kind of analyzes stuff a lot, it's a bad, a bad trait for a pastor, by the way, but... It's, you know, part of my personality, and I've gotten better about it. But if, you, if you're a person that analyzes stuff and thinks about stuff, man, it can eat you alive, and it can make you bitter, and, and it can make you hate people, and you can kind of 
be going through the motions because you feel like you need to do stuff. You feel like you need to be involved in ministry, but you're not doing it for the right motives and, and you really don't love people and it comes across. And the Bible says that the, the greatest evangelistic method is our love for people. That that's going to reach people more effectively than anything else. That when people come here, when they see our love for one another, it makes them want Jesus. But you know what the greatest enemy of love is? Is our past hurts and our past pains. And we come to church and we, we isolate ourselves and, and we don't talk to people and we don't really want to get to know people. We just want to come in, we want to do our thing. And, and it's possible even for some of God's greatest servants and for pastors and for elders and for leaders to get that kind of mentality where you don't really love people and it comes across and it can come across corporately and collectively as a church as well that when people come in they don't sense love yeah there's a there's a group of people and and they're worshiping Jesus and and they're studying the Bible but I didn't sense that they really loved me I didn't sense that that Jesus was there flowing through them, loving on people. And man, you guys, that's what we want in our church. We want love to be flowing out of, of what we're doing. But when you do that, when you love people, and you give your heart to people, you can be hurt, and you probably will be hurt. And there's a sacrifice involved. But Paul said it was worth it because he was sacrificing, he was suffering because of Jesus. He was carrying forth the ministry of Jesus. And if you can think about that, if you can remember Jesus' words, that look, a servant is not greater than his master. If I suffered, you'll suffer. And so when you're hurt, when people stomp on your heart, you have to remember, Jesus went through this and far more. And, and he's, he's asking me to carry on that ministry. And it's not all pain and it's not all suffering either. Man, it's, it's glorious. It's amazing when, when people get it and you see the fruit of your labor and you see the fruit of your love. And Paul could rejoice as he understood that he was entering into the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. Paul could also rejoice because he was suffering for a cause. See, when you suffer for nothing, that's really a bummer. When you suffer for nothing, that, that's not so cool. And when, when people give their lives and when people sacrifice and suffer with really nothing to gain for it, we, we consider that a waste. But when people give their lives for the protection of others, when people give their lives to bring about an end result, then it's worth it. And when you give your life for the sake of the gospel... When you give your life for the sake of the church, it's worth it. And so when your heart gets stomped on and, and when you get hurt, you, you remember, look, I'm, I'm doing this so that people can see Jesus. I'm doing this to, to bless the church, to bless God's people. And there's eternal ramifications, and it's worth it. And that's what Paul understood. And so the sacrifice of service, verse 24, and then we see the goal of service, verses 25 through 28. He says, talking about his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister or a servant. See, we get this word minister all messed up. It's, it's kind of a, 
a word that's used to separate people now, right? When I go visit people in the hospital, they ask, are you a minister? And, and I think, yeah. And so is every Christian. Servant. That's what that word means. It's not a glorious word, this word minister. Of which I became a servant according to the stewardship or the administration from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And so the goal of service... There is an end goal, and that's that people would see Jesus. That's what he's talking about. He, he says that he became a, a minister according to the administration from God. And so God handed this out. God gave him this responsibility to fulfill the word of God, which was that the gospel would go to all men, not just the Jews. That's the mystery that he's talking about, that there would be a worldwide Messiah. Not a Messiah just for the Jews, not a Messiah for a certain group of people, but a Messiah for everybody on the earth. And that was the mystery because that would absolutely be foreign to the Jewish perspective. And that's the mystery that he's referring to that had been hidden from generations but has now been revealed in his saints. The gospel was available to everyone. And when the Bible uses the word mystery, it's simply something that wasn't understood previously, but now is. And see, we understand the gospel. We understand who Jesus is and what he did. And this mystery has been unfolded and unlocked for us. But for people in generations past, it was totally foreign to them. It was a mystery. And so Paul is talking about why he suffered. And the goal of his service was that people might see this Jesus, that he was given the commission to go and tell people about. That, they, that he might reveal this Jesus to them, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so the purpose, the goal of our ministry, of our service, you guys, is very simple. It's not to build a bigger church. It's not to impress people with how well we can do church. It's not putting on cool events that unbelievers would be attracted to. The goal of our service is to point people to Jesus. Now, hopefully in that, the church is going to grow. Hopefully in that, we're going to reach people and, and, and we need to do that in ways that, that appeal to them. And, and those things just kind of fall in line. But Jesus has to be... The, the reason, the goal behind it, that people would see Jesus. You guys, when, when people walk into this church, we want them to see Jesus. When, when people encounter you at work, at the grocery store, somewhere in the community, they ought to encounter Jesus. You think about that for a second. What is flowing forth from our life? Is it a lot of flesh? Is it a lot of selfishness? Is it a lot of pride? Is it a lot of self-seeking? Is it a lot of whatever is dominating our life? Is that what people get? 
a lot of talk of hunting or shopping or sports or you fill in the blank. What is it that people receive when they encounter us? Do they, do they get Jesus from us? Do they receive his love? Do people walk away going, man, I don't know what that guy's all about, but there's something about him that, that's attractive. There's something about that, that woman that, that I, that I want to have. And see, it's not you. It's Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, if you're a believer here this morning, Jesus is in your heart. And is that something that others are aware of? Do they see Jesus in us? Because you guys, when people do, when people see Jesus in us, they'll be attracted to that. And I'm sure that, that you've all heard messages on, man, you need to go share the gospel, you need to preach, you need to do your part as a witness. We've all heard that, right? And feel guilty and walk away going, oh man, i got to go share the gospel, i got to go tell people about Jesus, and we get tracks and we stuff them in our pockets, and we're armed and we're ready to go, and we're going to go attack, you know, and we go out and, and we share Jesus with the gas station attendant and he flips us off and tells us to go to hell, you know. And we think, well, I'm done. I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a preacher. Or we share with somebody at work and now they don't talk to us anymore. Or we share with, with somebody in our family and, and now the whole family's against us because we, we said that so-and-so in the family was was not a believer. And don't you know we're all believers in this family? And now they're all mad. And now you don't get invited. And you, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and what do we do? We back off. We say, well, forget it. I'm, I must not be called to this. I offend people. I hurt people. Well, look, you guys, the gospel is offensive. But it doesn't mean that you have to be offensive in, in, your, in your approach. But Sometimes in, in all of this pressure that we feel and stuffing our pockets and, and shooting with both barrels, a lot of times new believers do that. I remember when I was a new believer, I mean, it was both barrels. Just boom, you know, just <laughs> blowing people away. And they're like, who is this idiot? I hate that guy. He's arrogant. He's saying we're all going to hell. He's wearing t-shirts with Jesus and blood all over him. <laughs> Who is this crazy guy? And you know what? It, we don't have to do that. It's, it's real simple. It's living for Jesus. It's allowing Jesus who is in us, the hope of glory, to come spilling out of our life. And you remember Jesus when he was walking around on the earth? He was attractive. He didn't have a marketing plan. He didn't, you know, hand out flyers. He didn't hand out tracts. But people were attracted to him. I mean, they just flocked from all over the place. Like, where did these people come from? And they knew where he was and they followed him because they wanted what he had. Now look, the same Jesus resides in our heart. And he's attractive. And you guys, if we'll just simply let Jesus flow forth from our life, that's the greatest evangelism that can ever take place. When people walk through the doors of our church, they'll feel loved. When people encounter you in the community, they'll sense Jesus. And they'll want Him and they'll ask you about Him. And they'll want to know about the church you go to. And you won't have to beat people over the head. You won't have to drag them to, to church. They'll just be there because they want Jesus. And they're being called by Him. And Christ in you, the hope of glory, 
is absolutely constraining them. And that's why Paul says, Him we preach, in verse 28. Him we preach. Not religion, not church, not pressure, not arrogance, and us versus them, not billboards and picketing and boycotts. Jesus, Him we preach. And when people hear about Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything. See, people don't need religion. There's a lot of religions out there. People don't need church. People need Jesus. And hopefully, when they hear about Jesus, then they're going to want to find a church where Jesus is at and where there's a bunch of people that love Jesus. And see, that's what this is, you guys. That's what church is. It's a bunch of people getting together that say, I love Jesus and I want to serve Him. And we're a body, and He's the head. And so, man, I'm like the toe, and I get to be a part of this body that's Jesus' body. And I get to be a part of what He's doing. And I get to love people, and serve people, and use my gift that He's given me. As Paul says here, that it was administered to, to, to Him. See, you've been given a gift. And as Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10, Whatever gift you have, use it. It's a pretty simple concept. Just use your gift. Use that thing that God's given you. You're a toe. You're an arm. You're an elbow. You're a neck. Use your gift. If it's mercy, then show mercy to people. If it's administration, then help in planning things and overseeing things and doing ministry. If it's teaching, then then teach where... There's need for it in Sunday school or home Bible studies. If it helps, then, then get involved in helping. You, you get the idea that God's given you a gift. And that will be a great way for you to express Jesus to other people by using your gift. Because as you use your gift in the body, it points people to the head. That's what, what we want. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Him we preach. Not rules and regulations, but Jesus. And you guys, that's what's going to single-handedly transform this community. Not us living moral lives so that we can feel good about ourselves. Not us acting as if we've got it all together. And, and all those heathens out there who, who are getting in our way. No, we preach Jesus. And we recognize that we have absolutely no reason to be arrogant because apart from the grace of God, we would be right there with them. And so, how are we going to reach these people? How are we going to get out to the, to the darkest corners of this community? We don't want to go grab a bunch of people from other churches. Is that how we want to build the church? By having a cool worship band and a pastor that doesn't wear slacks and cool projectors and oh man that's a cool church and let's run over there because I got mad at my other pastor or whatever you know what sometimes that happens and sometimes God's leading people out of other churches and that's okay and that's that's part of it sometimes but that's not what we're focused on that's not what we're trying to go and do that's not who we want to go reach we want to get out into the darkest corners the meth addicts and the perverts and the homosexuals and yes, even the child molesters. And people that we think, you know what? I don't like those people. And in my flesh, I don't like them either. But those are the people that need Jesus. That's the, that's the segment of society 
That's the people that, w- that we need to reach. And so instead of avoiding those people and, and, and thinking we're better than those people, man, Him we preach. Let's reach the meth addicts. Let, let's reach the sex addicts. Let, let's reach those that, that we, could, we would look at and we would say there's no way. There is a way. Love. Love will change a person's life. That's what people need. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, you, you name all the other groups. They're not offering love. They're not offering love. They're offering a, a moral standard. They're saying to that meth addict, hey, clean yourself up. Pick yourself up. You can live a better life. And we come along and we love them. And, and we, we help them. And we give them grace and mercy and forgiveness that's extended to them through Christ. Guys, those are the people that we want to reach. And you know what? All those groups that I just mentioned, you know what they need? They need love too. Giving them facts and figures and, well, this is why you're wrong and here's the prophecy that you guys said it was wrong. That isn't going to mean anything. What they need is love also. That's what will win them to Christ. When they come to your door or when you encounter them, they need love. And when they see love in your life, they may not act as if it is making an impact on them, but it is. Because they don't have that to offer. They don't have Christ in them, the hope of glory. They aren't preaching Jesus, preaching something else. And man, may we not make that same mistake, you guys. May we not make that same mistake of trying to put some kind of trip on people. May we give them Jesus. And may we be effective in reaching the darkest, most filthy, most ungodly parts of this community. And how are we going to do that? It's not going to be me by myself. It's not going to be just the leaders. You guys have to want it. We have to desire it. And we have to be willing to make sacrifices Because when you go out to try to reach those kind of people, you're going to get your heart stepped on sometimes. And you're going to get hurt. And you're going to think a guy's doing so well, and man, he's been clean for a year, and then all of a sudden, he just blows it all and goes and gets loaded. And our first first thing is to get frustrated and to get angry and to say, you stupid idiot, what are you thinking? We come back with love and grace and compassion, just like Jesus would do. The goal of service, that people might see Jesus. That is what I want for this church. That's what we want. We want to give people Jesus. And the last thing is the key to service, verse 29. To this end I also labor, striving according to His working, which works in me mightily. And so there's this this holy tension going on here. And you'll notice that throughout the Bible of godly tension. That we're striving, we're working, but it's according to His power. It's not that I sit back and and I just watch Him work. You know, hey Jesus, we want to reach the meth heads. And, And then we sit in our own little church and hide out. Jesus, we want to reach the perverts, but we don't go out to them. We expect them to come to us. You think they're going to come here? They Heck no. They think they're going to get judged. we got to go out to them and reach them. And so... We're striving according to His working. And so we recognize that it's His power. It's His power that's working in us. But we've got to step out. Just like the children of Israel, when they got to the promised land, Joshua won the main battle, the main cities. And then he said, okay, here's your land. Go conquer the little villages, the little cities. 
the little places. It was already done. They just had to go claim it. See, the work's already done, you guys. Ephesians 2.10. We are His workmanship. Basically means we're a work in progress. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He has prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. It's a beautiful picture. That these things have already been done for us, you guys. We just have to go lay claim to it. Romans 8.37. We are more than conquerors. Basically means the battle was over before it began. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That doesn't mean that the gates are running after us, chasing us down. That wouldn't make sense, right? Gates don't do that. What do gates do? They stop you from getting in. And so the Bible says that hell's gates are not an issue for us. That we can't use that as an excuse. That through the power of the love of Christ, we can blow those things open. Satan has no power over us. But it also tells me that the church is an offensive corporation. That the church is on the offensive. That we're not sitting there going, Isn't this great? Yeah, Jesus, awesome. Potlucks and picnics and, you know. No. That we are on the offense. That we're going out. That we're getting charged up, that we're getting equipped, that we're seeing His love, and we're like, man, I want to go take that to people. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. They won't get in our way. And so we're striving according to His power, according to His message. But we are striving. We are working. We are on the offense. We have the desire. Do you have the desire? It starts with that. It's a burning in your heart. Do you have a a burning passion in your heart to serve Jesus. If you don't, ask for it. Don't leave here today without asking for that. Maybe at one time you did, and it's gone because you've been hurt, or because you haven't seen fruit, or because you're busy, or whatever. And it's not there anymore, and you don't really care about people, and you don't love people. And you know what? That's okay to admit. That's okay to admit. Don't be ashamed to admit that, but confess it, and ask Jesus to change your heart. Ask Jesus to grab a hold of your heart and to make you His servant. Do you have the desire? Do you have a heart for people? Are you willing to put forth personal effort and personal sacrifice so that people can receive the Jesus that you have in in your heart? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are you willing to do that? You guys, if we are right where we're at as a church right now, the amount of people we have, we can reach this city. We can, we can reach these people that need Jesus. We don't need to grow. We don't need more money. We don't need a bigger facility. We don't need more parking. We don't need anything but Jesus. And you have him. And if you're willing to go and take him to this community, then God can absolutely revolutionize this city right where we're at right now today. Do we want to do that? I can't do it by myself. It's not about showing up and, and, and watching me do the work. This isn't an NFL football game. We're all the players, every single one of us. And if we'll get excited about Jesus, if we'll get on fire for Jesus, we can see Jesus absolutely revolutionize this city. And all the issues that we talk about and all the things that Christians complain about, they'll become a non-issue because of His love. And His grace working in people's lives. He wants to do a radical work. Are we ready?
Do we want it? Only you can answer that. Let's stand and pray together. Jesus, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, it, it's convicting to me. God, there's so many times where I don't want to serve people. I don't want to give up my life. I don't want to suffer. I don't want my heart stepped on one more time. Jesus, there's so many times where I don't care about the lost. So often, Jesus, that you're not the focus, that, that you're not what people are receiving when, when they step through the doors of this church. God, and for that, I, I ask your forgiveness. Jesus, I know that corporately right now you've been working on hearts. And Lord, many of us are, are confessing our sin to you. And, and we're asking Jesus that, that you would make us into vessels that can go forth and can shine Jesus to this community. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Lord, that's what we want. God, we want people to receive your love. Nothing short of that, Jesus. Nothing short of of your love. God, flow through us. Holy Spirit, come now. Fill us to overflowing that we might be usable for your kingdom. You've been listening to Pastor Ryan Couch of Calvary Chapel, Crook County. For more information, you can write to us at P.O. Box 378, Prineville, Oregon, 97754. Thanks for listening, and God bless.